And welcome to another installment of Banker with a Beer, presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. Across the way is Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? Great day today, Scott. Well, here we go. Another week is upon us. We got another tasty beverage with us and a unique guest. You've done this before, but you're bringing on somebody that, from the outside, everybody would look at as a competitor. So it's kind of cool there. It, it, you know, you're, you're bringing somebody else on from the uh, financial sector locally. This will be a fun conversation. Uh, why don't you introduce everybody to what we have coming up? Well, first, we, well, we have a great guest today. We have Brandon Rickens, who is the uh, president and CEO of RCU, who is going to be joining us today. Kind of an act of reaching across the aisle a little bit, but uh, we do cooperate. And, uh, I mean, there's, we're, we're competitors in certain cases, but also I think we both share a common vision for uh, making the Chippewa Valley a better place to, to live and work. And uh, RCU, has done, RCU has done an outstanding job contributing to that quality of life we enjoy here but before we get to that we also have a beverage and uh, now i do have to point one thing out i'm going to tell you something you got to put it on your back burner there uh for a future episode i had when i was on my recent vacation a couple of maple beers Maple beers. You you, you, you got to put that on the old okay, well, uh, on well, the that, old docket that, there. That, that will be on uh, on the to do <laughs> to drink list. Uh, but today Brandon is requested, and I am in total uh, support of his selection today. We're having Line and Kugel's Northwoods Amber, so it'll be a a lighter lager with a little obviously amber color, a little sweeter flavor. So I will uh, start pouring the beverages and let you bring Brandon on board. Well, that'll be good—a refreshing uh, beverage uh, as we enter into the spring and summer months. And as the beverage gets poured, to bring Brandon into the conversation. And Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know. Uh, Having uh, done a little bit of research before, uh, you, you've been with RCU for many, many, many years and all that, but give everybody sort of the synopsis, the Cliff Notes version of the last uh, 20, 30 years. Sure. I've, I've uh, grown up in the Eau Claire area. Can't quite say born and raised because we moved here when I was in third grade, but definitely raised in the Eau Claire market. Um, as you said, I've been with Royal Credit Union 25 years, started as a financial sales representative in one of our offices while going to school at the university here. Um, so I was working part-time and at the time I graduated with my finance degree, we were opening up a call center in the old Staffney's building. The Staffney's restaurant uh, closed, probably close to 25 to 30 years ago. Um, and I took a loan officer role over there and I've, I've bounced around and uh, done retail operations, compliance, a little bit stint in IT and training. And the last five years as CEO and prior to that, uh, primarily my focus was in the lending area 10, 12 years before becoming CEO. What got you into this line of, of work? Because uh, I always like to bring that up to some people because, you know, if somebody becomes a police officer, firefighter, athlete, musician, oh, you, you woke up when you were eight years old and you dreamt of it. Pretty sure when you were in kindergarten, you didn't dream of this. So what led you to it? What made it so fulfilling for you that you've kept doing it for the last 25 years in various roles? Sure. Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I was I was going to be an in an investor and get into investments, get in get my Series Seven. And at the time, I was nearing graduation. It was not a great time to be involved in the stock market. So yeah, yeah uh, uh, the the big crash of of uh, two thousand that hit that hit with with a with a big smack in the early part of the century. Yeah. So uh, it it just 
I happened to latch on with the credit union, as I said, as part-time, but then as I learned more about the credit union, I aligned with the values and uh, certainly um, everything that we do in the community has, has kept me around. I uh, absolutely love trying to partner with people, as Jerry said earlier, uh, partner with other institutions, partner with other businesses, trying to build up the Chippewa Valley and, and bring people to this great market. Well, the beverages have been poured, and yes, there definitely is an amber color to this. So, uh, bottoms up. Ah, refreshing oh, there, nice. Jerry. Where were you at that they are having maple beer? Oh, I was down in uh, in Florida for a couple of weeks. So, uh, I was over at Walt Disney World. And, of course, when you go, go to Epcot, you got to sample all of the beverages. Oh, you, did, you did, did the walk around the world. Well, I got to, I think, halfway. I, I, I may have been dragged the other half. Crawling uh, around the world. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a good time was had. A good time was had by all. Those were very tasty. Uh, this, though, extremely tasty and uh, good for a, uh, well, right now over my shoulder, it's not good weather. But we're in the spring and summer, and good weather is upon us. We're making that move there. So, Brandon, <laughs> just a, a few questions to start off now. Obviously, you, you, you kind of went through lots of different steps within RCU. How has that insider's view of the organization, step-by-step, step, helped you as CEO? Well, I feel like uh, having as many different roles within the organization, I've kind of seen it from the inside out. And so it gives me a lot better perspective now being CEO, what uh people are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis at entry-level jobs, leadership roles, all those types of things. It's really um, one of the things that uh, makes it so great and fulfilling today for me is I love watching people grow and I understand that not everyone is going to push themselves. Sometimes they need opportunities to be uh, pushed outside their comfort zone and I love watching people develop and grow in that way. Well it must also just be great as well just being able to relate to people. I mean you can't, they can tell you about the job, in some cases you've worked the job and you, you know exactly where they're coming from. But uh, on the flip side though, how has it been, I mean when you started with RCU in the, the late 90s, I mean it had maybe 100, 150 uh, associates, now you're much larger. How is how are you able to continue to try to keep that uh, sense of community and that sense of connection uh, as you've grown and expanded to different states and so many new locations? Sure, as you said, you know we're we're approaching 700 uh, team members now, and it, it, that is very difficult. And as you spread geographic region uh, regions. Um, it, it becomes more and more difficult. But one of the things that, because I saw what we were 25 years ago, one of the things I try and keep is that hometown feeling. Certainly, there's things that you can do on a local level with empowering your leaders. That helps. On the team member side of things, you know, uh, the, the more that our people get involved in the communities, the, the more that... Uh, helps bring out what we truly are, our essence. And we're a, a values-based organization, and one of the things that I think we do a good job is, is uh, align people around those core values. And, uh, and, you know, we recruit for them. We make sure that people are aligned in the same areas as we are. Our, our purpose is to, cre to create a positive impact in the lives we touch, 
And uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do in the communities we serve. Now, for our listeners, I, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone knows the difference between the banking industry and credit unions. Just uh, from a, a credit union perspective, what's the difference between credit unions and banks? Probably the biggest difference is governance. Uh, credit unions have members. Banks have customers. Credit unions' uh, members are the owners. So we've got 250,000 member owners of the credit union. They elect the, the board, um, and banks typically have shareholders. And uh, in the credit union is set up in a, as a financial cooperative, so all, all the income goes back to the, the member owners. Now, there's been a lot of consolidation in the financial services industry. Um, you know, banks included, obviously, Charter's announcement here last week. Uh, credit unions are the same. Why is that? Well, uh, as you know, it's, it's getting more and more difficult with regulatory challenges, um, the complexities of financial services today. Uh, scale is necessary, and so it's getting harder and harder for a smaller institution to survive. And as you said, both industries face that same issue. You know, you go back a couple decades, and there was 10,000 banks, 10,000-plus 10, banks, 10,000-plus credit unions. Now we're about 5,000 each, you know, five or 6,000. So uh, consolidation is certainly happening rapidly. I want to throw this out, just pivot for a moment, because I know it's very big for Northwestern Bank, we see other financial institutions out there as well, their name out there. We obviously see RCU out there an awful lot. The The importance of giving back to the community, both in the very noteworthy ways we may see signage and big-time sponsorships, but also a number of things that happen maybe a little bit quieter. Uh, the importance of a financial institution giving back to the community. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that... Uh <clears throat> is near and dear to our hearts as well as yours. Uh, we donate over 3,000 hours a year and encourage our team members to, to be active volunteers out in the, in the communities we serve. Certainly, uh, a few years back, we started up a foundation, the RCU Foundation, so we were able to give back on capital projects, on the philanthropic side of things. Um, last year, we just... Uh, Across the the seven million dollar mark, giving back to nonprofits and organizations in the different communities. Uh, so that's been great. Uh, that the foundation also hosts our Rock the Riverfront event, which is coming up here shortly. I'll, I'll give you the details <laughs> here in a minute, but uh, you might be familiar familiar with the Charity Classic, mm -hmm. the run. Uh, we're in the 29th year of that, and uh, so I'd love to put a plug in for that here in a minute. Absolutely. As I say, Jerry himself is an old, t is an old runner himself. Uh, very old. Very <laughs> we'll get you back in it. You want to you go this year? I sh well, no, I, I, it's the ankle, the knee, the no. back. Yeah, I, I, I'll be there to, to uh, cheer on those who cross the finish line. Well, I might so. be in the dunk tank. That might be there enough you go. to get you down there. <laughs> well, given all the things that RCU has done, I mean, from your perspective here and, and – they do things in so many parts of the community, and we're going to touch on some of those a little bit later. Any particular one that you're most proud of? Well, certainly uh, financial education is a big part of our DNA. And, you know, one of the things when it comes to financial education is we're in 29 different school sites, uh, from elementary school to middle school to high school. And that's a program that we've been doing for 20-plus years, and it's a student-run branch teaching saving in the elementary, middle school, and high schools. And, and that's been 
just an exceptional program to get uh, out in financial education. Uh, the other thing on the financial education program, which is more new in the last four or five years, is uh, the jail program. And uh, right now, we're working with uh, six total jails, the Eau Claire County Jail, Dunn County, Barron County, St. Croix County, and Jackson County jails, as well as the Chippewa Valley Correctional Facility, Chippewa Valley Correctional Treatment Facility. And that actually started in 2013, and uh, we've had 2,000 people come through that, and uh, I've had the opportunity to go and, and talk to, to some of the people that have participated in that program, and uh, oftentimes, admittedly, they say, you know, finances were one of the things that, that got them into trouble, which led to that, and, and so they look forward to when they're back entering into the community that, you know, they'll kind of have a, a little bit more financial education to help them out. There was an article that came out in Volume 1 a few years ago that you had a great comment. I thought it was a great question, and I, I'm going to give them the credit for asking it, but I'm going to ask it again. So as a 21-year-old, you're in financial services here, and obviously you know, get, looking at getting your, your Series 7 license and doing investing. You've been involved in the financial services industry your entire life. Uh, how do you see the perspective, especially for young people today, trying to get them to invest, trying to get them to support their own financial background? I mean, um, finances and the education of finances is a critical part of people's lives that, you know, I think those who re embrace it, whether actively or more reluctantly, tend to do better than those who ignore it or try not to. What Tell me a little bit more about that from your personal perspective, seeing starting in the financial services section and going kind of more in the, the credit union, just, you know, more of the loans and, and, and deposit side. But then also, how do you, what would your advice be for folks who are looking to make longer-term investments, and how should they do that? Sure. I, I think, you know, starting small when you have the ability, we always talk about pay yourself first. It's staggering the number of people, I, I think the latest survey says 70 or 80 percent of all households don't have $200 saved if they came across an emergency, car repairs, anything like that. And so, just understanding, you know, all the things that could happen that could throw somebody's life in tilt, and and it takes just a little bit. You don't have to start big. Uh, you know, we have certificates. You can start for $100. You ha you can start uh, with something like that. You can start a savings account. Um, you can set up automatic payment, those types of things where oftentimes the automatic payment is helpful because it comes right out of your check and it, you set it at whatever amount and maybe every year when you get a raise, instead of taking that raise, you increase your, your amount that you're saving, the amount that's going into your savings account. Um, and then that compounding interest over time. So uh, that's why it's very... Um, rewarding to be in the schools because if it doesn't start there, that, that savings mentality and that savings philosophy, uh, it's just harder to pick up later in life. Any uh, idea of how many students who start with an account at middle school or grade school or high school at their RCU office in their school maintain those for years and years and years? Yeah, it, we have a, a high success rate of people maintaining those year over year. Um, the the biggest 
the biggest reason that we get for people leaving oftentimes is they relocate. So one of the things that, you know, we've pondered over time is by having a, a student branch, uh, you're, you're teaching traditional methods of going into a physical branch, a physical location. And so then is it somehow it, planting the seed that, you know, if you relocate and you're outside of the, the Chippewa Valley area, now you need to find a, a, a different local financial institution. But the reality is in, in the digital world, uh, you can do everything uh, online. And so you could transfer your accounts and, and do anything you want, no matter where you're located. I was, I'm going to piggyback off that. Uh, overall, you know, since you first got started, the, the radical changes online has brought to the industry, you know, from from people being able to do, uh, you know, direct deposits and all that, never have to even step foot, you know, face to face if if they want to. How much it's been easy for the people that utilize the institution, but also how it maybe has allowed you to focus on some other things uh, for the employees. Yeah, as far as yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not. A... I would say, you know, what, what are some of the overall changes you've seen with all of the online starting back sure. even 20 years ago? The fact that people can, as you said, you know, they, they can carry it over wherever they may go. Uh, they can make deposits uh, online, and, and how has that maybe freed up time for people that are within, uh, employees that are there, what they can focus on as opposed to having to do that face-to-face -face transaction all the time? Sure. That, that's really uh, what you're talking about has been an evolution of our branches. So certainly the, the transactions that have occurred historically at the teller line have decreased over time because people are doing more of those digitally. And when you talk about freeing up the mm -hmm. team members, I mean, now it's more advisory, consultative services, those types of things that people are coming in for. And it changes the, the footprint of the branch too. So, I mean, branches used to be quite large um, back when, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And nowadays that footprint is so much smaller because it's much more efficient. People are coming in for different things and at less frequency. Well, and that's a, a, actually, you, you took one of my questions from me, but I currently I'm aware of your two offices you're building here in, in, in town, one downtown near um, uh, the hospital and then one here in River Prairie. And how does these, how do these offices differ from ones you would have built 20 years ago is pretty much it's a smaller size yeah it's a much smaller size more efficient uh laid out a little bit easier for a little more intuitive for our members uh, if you take the downtown one you know you're talking uh 2500 2700 square feet um and you know historically that might have been a six to ten thousand square foot branch so the the footprint is much much smaller still have still has a drive up um, we do still see a, a fair amount of volume in the drive up. Uh, I would say the, the pandemic um, increased drive up volume um, and that hasn't necessarily gone away. People are using the drive up if they are coming uh, down for teller type transactions. I know one thing I'll throw in for, for our bank anyway that challenges is that, you know, we keep adding channels. You know, we keep adding whether it be... Um, you know, we started out with, you know, you have a teller and then you'd have a drive up and you'd have mail banking and then you'd have safe, you know, you have night deposit and then you'd have, you know, you have, um, oh, 
you can do it off your phone. We have, you know, you can do a scanner. You can, so we add, we keep adding, we don't take any away. <laughs> we still have phone banking. We still, you know, and I think the challenge we see from an administrative standpoint is that, you know, we keep offering people more and more ways to touch us, but yet it becomes our overhead is trying to maintain all of these existing, these legacy um, approaches and then it's not just maintaining them but you have to keep them up the software has to be updated someone you need to have someone to kind of own it someone has to back up in case they're on vacation so you have it, it just becomes just this this growing um challenge of trying to maintain all these different ways that your clients can touch you but yet at the same token you've got clients who are all different ages and someone who banks who's probably you know in their 70s and 80s use in many cases different ways to uh, touch us than someone who's in in their teens and 20s. Yeah, and I think that goes right back to when we were talking about consolidation. Uh, I talked about the regulatory aspects, but you bring up the complexities and the increased number of channels. I it gets harder and harder to to offer up all those different channels and keep up on all those different channels if you don't have the resources. Now, so you're the leader, or I believe you're the leader now of the Wisconsin Credit Union League, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, what's your perspective of the credit union movement in the state of Wisconsin? How, is it strong? Is it growing? Or, or is it, as the community banking, are, is it shrinking as well? Uh, it, is strong, yeah. it, it is a strong... It is a strong... Wisconsin as a state is very strong when it comes to, to credit unions, but we are consolidating. Um, on the credit union side in in Wisconsin as well. How many credit unions are in the state? Uh, 190, just mm-hmm. a little over 190. And on the banking side, I think we're about 175 maybe now, 180. I, when I started in banking in the mid-80s, there were 450 banks, mm-hmm. or community banks in the state of Wisconsin, and now we're... So we just see that, you know, compression going on. Um, now I'm going to do a, a pivot here. So... When you started with RCU, uh, Charlie Glosskost was was the head. Um, Rudy was there for a little while, and then then you were as well. How do you contrast? I mean, I, I nothing against Rudy, but I don't think he was here really that long enough to make make kind of the impression that that Charlie did. Uh, how's it like following these folks, and, and how do you? Are, who did you use to kind of mentor you in this process? Do you still reach out to Charlie? Or are you pretty much um, doing things on your own well i mean i think you know from uh, from a day-to-day standpoint doing things on my own but i certainly still have a connection with charlie we're still good friends and and we talk from time to time as well as uh you know i reach out uh and have conversations with rudy from time to time as well you know charlie was a great visionary when i think about you know our headquarters being downtown uh we could have been in three or four different locations and he he and the board um, fought the good fight to, to make sure that we were right downtown to be that catalyst for all the things that have happened. I mean, it was in 2005 we opened our headquarters, and, you know, 17 years later, you look at what has followed. And, and when I talk about Charlie being a visionary, I mean, that's that's what he saw. He saw if, if we go down there, other businesses are going to follow. That's going to be a, a key to redevelopment. And, and certainly a few years ago with the, the Pablo Center and uh, all the apartments that have come in down there, I mean, it's just continued growth now. 
Well, I'm going to ask you for being your own visionary. So uh, when I started here and moved back to Chippewa Valley, I started Northwestern Bank in 1993. I think we were on about $140 million, uh, in size. Uh, financial institutions ranked themselves by asset size. And I think RCU at this time was maybe about 350 or $400 i I'm, I'm just guessing. Now, we're around $600 million. I believe you folks are now over $4 billion. And I'm guessing growing... Do you see this trend continuing? Yeah, I, I definitely see us uh, or see that trend continuing, but we don't have a, a growth strategy per se. Um, we don't have a, a number targeted that says, you know, we want to hit six billion or ten billion by such and such a year. Um, when I talked earlier about our core values, I mean, it really is values driven. So we're trying to expand our membership to bring that value proposition out to our membership and good things follow as far as that growth. Um, I think of, you know, when we moved west, whether it be through the Anchor Bank branches in western Wisconsin or uh, Minnesota branches that we've added uh, since that time, you know, all of that was just great opportunities that were also a good strategic fit for the membership in those particular communities. Well, given the, the, the breadth of clients and community, communities that you serve, I mean, you're, you're in very small communities and you're in the Twin Cities. Do you, do you offer kind of the same experience for all those folks or do you tailor it a bit based on those markets? Well, I think to some extent it's, it's tailored to those different markets. So serving a, a rural market can be quite different than the the metro market and we're not really uh we don't really have any branches in the the heart of the metro market so when you think about the twin cities if you were to if you were to look at minneapolis st paul as the big metropolitan market uh it's it's pretty daunting but we've we've uh over time learned about micro communities and really looking at you know what communities within that big metropolitan area make sense and are good fits for the products and services we offer. And, and as kind of a follow-up question, then, then how do you, given your, your Chippewa Valley roots, and obviously you're, you're from here, I guess how do you play off then trying to maintain that local experience where, you know, Chippewa Valley-based organization as you continue to grow and, and, and spread? How, how, do you, how do you make um, Medford and St. Paul feel special knowing that you are a Eau Claire based institution? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. And, and these are our roots. We're always going to uh, show the love to the Chippewa Valley. Uh, our headquarters being downtown Eau Claire um, is, a, is a testament to that. And freshening up the branches in the relocations, as we talked about earlier, um, is all a testament to that, keeping things fresh in this particular market. We have a, a fairly significant workforce right in the Chippewa Valley market. And when when you have that many people working and living in the community, and then you also reinforce volunteer work and being out in the community, I mean, it really keeps this uh, the home. But then at the, on the flip side, if you take a, a Medford or a St. Paul, it's learning about those communities and empowering the leaders and team members in those particular communities to uh, 
learn through their chamber or learn through organizations in those particular markets? What are the, the key factors that are lifting up that community and how can we be a contributor? Only a couple more minutes left in the program. Opportunity for us to find out, but more maybe uh, about about you. I'm sure there's times in which you feel you work 24-hour days, but uh, you obviously don't. So uh, when you're not at the office, when you're not wor- you know you're not working RCU work, what are you doing? Well, we've got uh, two golden retrievers at home that keeps us busy. I've got a 12-year-old daughter that uh, is into a number of different sports and that keeps us busy as well so uh, enjoy getting out uh, walking on the trails biking um, all of those types of things <laughs> i know a uh, question scott's asked before about uh, chippewa but i'm asking about eau claire favorite hidden spot of eau claire i know you north grad uh any place now, I don't want to tell too many people because they're going to find out all about it, but a place that you find is just unique to Eau Claire that probably the average person doesn't know about that you really enjoy. Hmm. Boy, I don't, want to, I don't want to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Ridge Pizza, that's the one I would say. <laughs> well, Brandon, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking time out, enjoying and spending some time with us. Scott, anything final comments on your side? No, very tasty a beverage and an engaging conversation. A, a, a good day all around. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And uh, join us again for Banker with the Beer.